0: Hello, and welcome to today's edition of Collisions YYC. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Today, the date is March 24th, and I think it's important to share that date because we are in the middle of week two from a Calgary perspective, Canadian perspective, you might argue, of the COVID-19 pandemic. This is something that obviously globally has been running for a lot longer, but I feel the heart of this issue, the heart of the problem, the challenges that we're all facing have really come to light in the last two weeks in Calgary. But and I don't believe it's ever it's ever been more important to have external sources of information and stay inspired during these times. Today on the show I sit down with Mr. Tim Cruz. He's the co-founder, director of AI and ML at the Calgary AI Club. I actually ran into Tim online. We were on LinkedIn. I saw some things he posted and some of the things he was sharing. And I was like, I I reached out because I'm like, I've got to talk to this guy. He is a wealth of information and exceptionally a wealth of knowledge and passion. He walks us through the history of AI and ML. He First, he gives us the basis of how to understand it, what the terms mean, how they interrelate with each other. He talks about the understanding that data actually is the real hero when you start talking about AI and what's possible. And to never forget that at the heart of it is are we solving a problem for the customer? Are we solving a human problem? And how can AI play a role in that? Join me for a fantastic conversation with Tim Cruz as we keep learning, we keep curious, and we keep supporting our community. Uh, Good morning, everyone. I'm here with Mr. Uh, Tim Cruz. Tim is the co-founder of the uh, Calgary AI and ML Society, which is part of the Calgary AI Club. Tim, did I get that right or did I butcher that when I threw it all together?
1: (laughs) Uh, we'll go with, uh, it was clo- close enough, but, uh, yeah, uh, co-founder and uh, director of AI ML, uh, at the Calgary AI club. Fantastic. Well, AI
0: club is where I, uh, came across you guys online. I was looking okay. on LinkedIn. I forget. I love, I love LinkedIn, especially in Calgary. It's a small town and LinkedIn just makes it smaller.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and I got to say that that's one of my, that's kind of one of my favorite things about about Calgary is that it's, it's really easy to meet interesting people and do interesting work, uh, in the city and just the, the network is so, um, it's, it's fantastic here if you, if you end up knowing the right people. I,
0: and I find that I couldn't agree with you more. This podcast, I think, exemplifies that. I think I've been doing this now. We launched this back in August of 2019. And I think, like, we've not had anyone say no. Everyone's like, absolutely, I want to come on. Yes, this topic's important to me. Thank you for doing it. There's just an openness and a, like a non, it's more of an inclusive, yeah, we all want to be part of the solution than, yeah. this, than this elitist of like, well, yeah, yeah, we're doing our things over here, but we're not we're not going to share with you. I don't find Calgary's like that. It's part of. I think it's one of the things I love the most about the city.
1: Yeah, no. And I, yeah. And again, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more because you know, as, as a young, young person with like a, with a kind of technical, um, technical leaning background, like there are obviously a lot of opportunities for, for guys like me to, uh, you know, to go to Waterloo or go to Toronto, go to Vancouver, uh, go to Montreal. And, and, um, uh, one of my, one of my mentors that I work really close with, um, Evan Hugh, he, he kind of, he frames this really nicely for me. And he says, um, do you want to go to a city where the culture is what you need it, what you arguably need it to be at the expense of being a really little fish in a big pond, or do you want to stick around and actually have some say and, and and have some uh, influence over the future of the city actually put in the work to, to make the culture what you need it to be. Um, and then, you know, as a side benefit, have an easier time becoming a big fish in that, in that small pond. Um, Kind of, and and with that perspective, like that's a little bit of what kind of um, what inspired me to start the little AI club, for example. Because, um, you know, we've all seen the we've all seen that that article called you know entitled "Why Calgary is Losing All Its Young Adults." Or, or yes, whatever, yes,
0: right? yes, we have. That's what it's one of those if it bleeds, it leads kind of headlines, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And
1: and I I kind I read that, and part of me got it. Like as as somebody who's right in the middle of that age demographic of, of twenty to twenty four, I was like i told totally, i completely identify it identify with that but part of me kind of felt almost irresponsible is the wrong world word but i i almost felt like if i if i do end up leaving i want to i want to leave and be able to say that at least i tried at least i tried to make an impact and at least i tried to make it a little bit better and so I'm I'm really big like one of the one of the big kind of flavors of the AI club is is obviously talent retention but but it's also giving young people like giving the future like those who are actually the future of Calgary a sense of ownership and actually that influence to um to actually impact um what the Calgary of tomorrow looks like
0: it's such an interesting opportunity, and I've had Evan on the show, and he, his, he's very philosophical, and of like course, I, yeah. I, I I hold him in incredibly high regard. I think everyone who knows him does. He's absolutely he's got that sage like quality to him, kind of been there, <laughs> done that, but yeah, yet is still yeah. very humble at the same time. Totally, yeah. To hear to hear you say that of like the land of opportunity, and I think if you go back to even Calgary, the go west, and I moved to Calgary in 2000 from Montreal, and mm-hmm. I never I never left because the opportunity of like let's be successful together, let's do things. There wasn't yeah. these established hierarchies where you couldn't break in. And that's a huge opportunity for young and old. Like age almost doesn't become the thing. No. Yeah. Since AI is new, you can be new to AI and be 45. You can be new to AI and be 22.
1: Yeah. The opportunity is still there. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I also, I love this idea like around these, these emerging technologies that there aren't really experts in AI. Like, and you know, you, you could, you could argue that, you know, it's the Googles and Microsofts and Apples and, and Amazons of the world, of course, but um, and you know, they are obviously PhD reach researchers that have that have been around for for a really long time. You know, like and and you know, proud Canadians, like um, you know Jeffrey Hinton, for example, who mm-hmm. who, who works at uh, Google now. Um, but you know, some really really heavy hitters. And and what the, the other thing that's really cool that that I've noticed about you know Cal- Canada and, and Alberta in particular is that we are actually we we Alberta houses one of the world leading um, machine learning research institutes in the world which is um amy up at the, at the u of a yes um, or, or up in edmonton and um that's that's it's it's just crazy to think about that little old alberta right where you know everybody just assumes that it's all oil and gas here and um, and that not there, there isn't a whole lot else going on. Well, that, that, let's
0: be honest. One, that's easier because that's the story that's been told. Of and course. Two, and two, I'll put it out there. And this is something that comes up on the show constantly. And it's also why we do it. Yeah. We we don't always tell our own stories very well here in Alberta. Yeah,
1: you know, yeah, that, that's, that's... Very really, Canadian of us. <laughs> yeah, no, to, totally, right? And, and, and you know, we are very humble about it. But, but, but it's interesting that you say that because in, in chatting with a lot of kind of people around the city um everyone is everyone has kind of pointed out th- this idea that there are two narratives in Calgary and the first one is a sort of doom and gloom finite game perspective on on oil and gas and and everyone is is panicking a little bit right it's, it's, especially under the circumstances um right now with uh with covid-19 but there's also this this quieter kind of under the radar narrative where Calgary is actually going through an incredible economic transformation right now. And, and we're actually, we're actually hosting an incredibly inspiring and incredibly robust innovation ecosystem yes, here. So. And, and, you know, we can, I, I can list countless organizations like, um you know, Innovate Calgary or Platform Calgary, or all of these other grassroots data science communities, for example, um, that all exist in the city. And, 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 you know, it's a little chaotic right now because it's, it's early days, but, There's that entire narrative that kind of has been flying under the radar of these kind of really young, resilient, or not necessarily even young, but this resilient group of people who are actually banding together and putting tons of effort into into telling a different story. Um, in Calgary, and I find that super exciting.
0: That's and 100% why this podcast came together was running into all these stories, but then going, Wow, I'm engaged in this community, but I didn't know that. And then I didn't, yeah. I haven't met this person, and I didn't know what platform did. And, and just, I didn't know the depth of what startup did until you go to Startup Calgary's event and you're like, There's yeah. 1,500 people here. And then I didn't even know this was going on uh, yeah. six oh. months ago. Yeah, yeah, it's, exactly. it's amazing and very inspiring. Yeah. So, on that, on the heels of that, let's get into a little bit because part of on this show, specifically Current and Critical, is we mm-hmm. want to get people exposed to an idea and a concept so they walk away going okay I know a little bit more than I did before and I'm excited about the role this will play in our future so maybe let's start let's go ground floor here AI and ML, those are two, again, we love our acronyms in this town of specifically. Yeah. So let's, maybe you want to give us just a, like a one-on-one breakdown of like, what is AI? What is ML? What, and also what's the difference? Cause I think that's where they get jammed together totally. as, as one, as one entity. So I'll turn it over to you and yeah. take, take us on a journey, Tim.
1: <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. So, so this is, this is one of the most common questions out there. And um, so, so think, think of it as all of these kind of nested categories, right? Like it's almost like it's like a short stack of Russian dolls, almost. So, AI is stands for artificial intelligence, and that is the the overall encompassing idea of kind of intelligent machines, machines in which that in 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 a very general and unspecific sense can, um, can kind of mimic human. Human actions and human intuition, so that that's this that's this overall thing, and and AI encompasses all of these other terms that you might have heard of. So, particularly machine learning, um, machine learning is a subset of of AI, which which kind of encompasses like a family of of algorithms or models that can essentially improve, a, based upon an objective task. If they see more data regarding that task, so for example let's say let's say I want to build like an image classifier that you know if, if people at home have seen the show Silicon Valley like there, there's a classic example of is it a hot dog or is it not a hot dog right and, and that's a very tried and true um, use case of machine learning but the, the key to machine learning is that you can actually you can actually score it based on how right it is in terms of overall accuracy. You can score it on how accurate it is at predicting something is a hot dog and how accurate something, uh, how how accurate the model is at predicting it's not a hot dog. Like there there are these objective um, kind of metrics that we can optimize against. And what we see in machine learning and what makes it machine learning is that its performance as measured by those metrics gets better as it sees more hot dogs and not hot dogs.
0: That's the, that's the learning piece, which is so critical yeah. difference than just an algorithm that runs binary. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. It never Precisely. gets, any, it doesn't
1: get any better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's the, it's the, it's the idea that it doesn't have to explicitly be told what to do. It, it, lear- it, it improves itself as it sees more data. Um, as, as the data,
0: because which is always you hear, it's the, the, the size and quality of your data set is so critical to be able to optimize this for actually
1: uh, getting it to commercial use and to actually yeah. create an output that actually has value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I'm, I'm glad that you said that because I, I really, you know, I really, one, one of my biggest learnings over, you know, my, you know, the past year that I've been working kind of as, as a data scientist and machine learning person is that data is the most important thing it's it's it data the quality and the size of your data set will always beat out the complexity of the algorithms that you're using there's um i i really like the saying that um uh, a, a simple algorithm trained on good quality data will oftentimes outperform a really complex algorithm trained on on bad data and and that's because you you take a step back and and you just you look at machine learning as any other kind of quantitative modeling and the fundamental idea of qualitative modeling of, of qu- quantitative modeling is that it's garbage in garbage out. Yes. Right? That's always
0: that was ringing in my head as you were talking yeah. Like, oh, the good old, we've all heard that, but yeah. it's to understand what it actually means in this context.
1: Yeah. And, and, and AI machine learning, I, in my opinion, is probably the ultimate realization of that saying, um, because, because the, the, the the truth is is that it will always learn it will always try to learn something regardless of of if it because it it doesn't really understand the idea of of good data and bad data it just understands that there's some metric that it's trying to get better at and it will use what it's been shown as a way to try and optimize that that metric um but, uh, but yeah. And, it, it, and, and,
0: and, obviously humans are involved in that process in terms of actually like it, it is a multi-point system, right? It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not a, it's not a set it and forget it. They're yeah. always learning. You're always optimizing even good and bad. Those are kind of human terms to a certain extent no, to, yeah. to a system that's looking at, it's just all data points that are already, are they're getting into yeah. better answers or less better <laughs> or, or less good answers.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, so one of the, you know, if, if, if folks at home are, are interested in, in in learning more about this, like particularly in the business context and and the broader macroeconomic context, like my go-to book is, is prediction machines by AJ Argowal. And, and so he, he was the founder of the creative destruction lab, which is like, you know, a really, really high quality, I guess you would call it a startup accelerator ish program. Um, We've,
0: we've had Evan Hugh on, we've had, um, uh, Judy Fairburn. So we've had a couple okay. people on from creative destruction labs and yes, it's totally. fantastic. If you don't know about it, like that's again, part of the show is to give people a little sit in front. And so go Google uh, prediction machine, go Google CDL right now. Yeah. And you'll be, you'll be excited to see that these things are actually CDL is going on in our city.
1: <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is, which is really exciting. But, um, but anyways, so it's uh, one of the big, big takeaways of, of prediction machines is the, the idea that um, cheap changes everything. So he, so he gives an example of, of what happened when we started using coffee. So as coffee got cheaper to acquire, we started drinking more and more coffee, but then it's complementary goods, cream and sugar. We started using more of those and because they were complementary, they inherently became more valuable um, yeah, as standalone goods. So you, you take a step back and you, and you say, well, if AI is coffee in this context, then what, what is the cream and sugar to, to AI? And what are those complementary inputs? And fundamentally, the first one is data, obviously, because you need really high quality data to to train these algorithms. But two is human judgment. And human judgment is really important because one of the fundamental ideas of AI is that it often, the majority of the time, and there are obviously exceptions to this in, in reinforcement learning, but it doesn't necessarily make a decision for you. It makes a prediction, and and the the idea of a prediction is that it's all it's doing is really giving you a piece of data that you didn't have using the data that you did. So <laughs> yeah, that's right? a very, yeah exactly. Gave, but
0: giving you a piece of data you didn't have based on the data that you did have. That's an interesting yeah. kind of like when you think of that
1: formula. Mm-hmm. Precisely. Yeah. Exactly. So um so for example uh you know kind of in 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 kind of my day job, but I'm I'm really lucky because I. I get to work with, um, with a really innovative company here in, in Calgary called ENTID, and And what we're doing there is, um, we're essentially using AI to, uh, uh, to kind of augment and, and reduce friction in the ear disease referral process. Okay. And so, so the interesting thing is, is that what we do is, you know, we, we have this little camera, you stick it inside your ear, it takes a photo and then an AI will run over it based on, um, uh, you know, based on what it sees, right? And and it and it, it kind of just will return to you the, the the top five most probable diseases that it sees.
0: So it's it's taking your ear as a piece of data, running it up against all the other uh, reference points that it has to say that if it looks like this, it might be this. Exactly. So, so your your ear photo, I love this. is so practical. The yeah. Photo of your ear is the new piece of data being introduced against this data set that it's using as reference.
1: Well, so, so, so in this case, the ear photo is data that you do have, Yes. but what you don't have, the piece of data that you don't have is what disease is it likely to be? Yes. What, and what, so,
0: what, what is therefore this equals that? It's Yeah. Exa- okay. yeah
1: and, and so, so back to this idea of, of increasing the value of human judgment, it, it isn't saying It isn't saying, okay, because it's this, you have to, you have to refer this person or this person needs surgery or this person needs antibiotics. All it's saying is that I think it's these five things And, and here are the probabilities for it being those five things, but it's ultimately up to the doctor, whether it's the general practitioner or the, um, the ENT specialist on the other end to actually take that piece of information and do something with it. To make the referral or not make a referral, okay. to um, uh, to uh, you know prescribe a particular medication or not prescribe a particular medication, right? There's there's the fundamental piece of, of the human judgment there. Um, and and so,
0: so, so what you're doing then in, in this case is you're allowing the individual they don't have to come into a clinic, they can do it from the comfort of their own home. They're yeah. allowing this this medical professional now to arguably, if I'm understanding right, amplify their reach or the people that they're able to help using this as a, because it, it, to me, it leans very well into the fear that I hear sometimes like AI is going to take all our jobs.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. And, and so, so yeah, so the, the Interesting. Kind of the, the telemedicine piece is, is definitely kind of further down the, the roadmap. Like, so right now the, the device, for example, lives in, um, it lives in your, your general practitioner's office. Right. And, okay. and but, but, but you, you hit the nail on the head there in that, it isn't. So an, another key takeaway is that there's this fundamental question uh, around AI of, is it augmentation or is it automation? Oh, okay. and, and that is, in my opinion, uh, again, like another really, really crucial thing to, to kind of cut through all, all of these kind of misunderstandings is that oftentimes, and for the majority of cases, AI is is, is just an augmentation. It and, and by augmentation, I generally mean that it allows us to be better at what it is that we do and spend less time doing kind of these menial and repetitive tasks. So, you know, back to, to the idea of, um, of kind of medicine, it would, for example, allow doctors to do less triage and spend more of their valuable hours in the operating room. Okay. Um, it allows, you know, it, it they're, there are obviously like a bunch of different kind of use cases, but, but medical is, is, for me, like a really, really exciting topic because it, it does actually have like this hugely um, positive societal impact.
0: Well, you've also uh, got a situation or an environment that you have an incredibly high need and often is under-resourced in its ability to be supported. So there's yeah. that, that gap immediately lends to how do we get these really smart people being able totally. to help more people? Because the need is exponentially larger than our ability to service it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Right. And, 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 and that's exactly it. it, it it's, like I, I love to think about AI as a way to, it's a way to spread knowledge or to to democratize knowledge. in, in yes, I've heard in, it said in, that way, the democratization yeah. of of knowledge on a mass yeah. scale. Yeah, exactly, because because it it is, it is kind of like this ultimate way of 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 kind of harnessing the wisdom of a crowd, right? Like so, for yes. example, you you if like let's say you 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 can collect data about so Tesla, for example, right? So Tesla gave. Early, uh, early owners like a bunch of free services. Like they gave them free, free three G, free mapping, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And and everyone was like, well, why, why did they give that to me for free? And what people realize is that what you're doing for Tesla is you're you're just a little data collector. Yes. And globally, you're,
0: you're just you're just a node at the end of the uh, uh, part of the
1: network, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And so globally, you have like you have hundreds of thousands of people just going around and collecting a bunch of data about about how people drive, which is kind of, which is really feeding the wisdom of a crowd into this, into this model that, that could, for example, automate the, the driving process almost completely. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it, I, I like to think about and it. And even in, in almost, early
0: days before it gets to the, that almost feels like the end result, but in the way there's safety improvements, there's like user comforts, there's things that are more like, it allows customer also to like the intelligence around what customers and what, and what humans really want to consume, like, you know, you jump to the end. Oh, it's autonomous driving vehicles, but there's a lot of things that are going to happen on that journey before you oh, get for there. Sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the media
0: loves to jump to the end and talk about the end point, the end yeah. state, but mm-hmm. I, was at a, I was at a dinner around automation and talking to companies and there was a bunch of senior, like large enterprise level companies around the table. And it was so interesting to hear about the things they were automating and how actually simple they were totally.
1: and how it had yeah. huge
0: impact. Like you think of this oh, big, large scale. It's like, no, yeah. we're just going to automatically let managers know when their team members have re- arrived at 50% of their expense accounts for the month, but we're going to yeah. automate it. So it removes somebody having to do that because nobody'd like to do it anyways. Yeah. I was like, yeah. wow, it's so easy to blow it up because the media or Science fiction makes it as this big thing. There's so many steps in between that
1: are going to actually improve the quality of human life. Argument? No, no, yeah, ab- absolutely. And and so like, and, and I, I love that. But but yeah, like the real value is like is all of the intermediate steps, Interesting. right? Like, because because it, it all like the value kind of like sums across all of these different steps that you've taken in order to to come, before you land on the moon, kind of. <laughs> Kind of thing, right? Yes. Um,
0: yes. What, what what is what are you going to discover and, and Im- arguably improve along the way in the process to get where we're going? Because this is a long term horizon. I'm assuming, like, we, this is years and years and years as we go down this path of what oh, it's yeah. able to do.
1: Yeah, it, it, exactly. And and you know, kind of like day by day, we're so like AI is this really interesting topic. So, um, are, like for example, are are you familiar with like the the idea of like the Gartner hype cycle? Yes. yes. Yeah. So I, so for like a, the high level is is that basically all, like every new and emerging technology goes through this cycle of it 's new, it grows to this point of inflated expectations, people realize that it can 't actually deliver on these inflated expectations it drops down to this trough of disillusionment and then whatever ends up surviving lives on in the plateau of productivity. The,
0: the trough of disillusionment is my, one of my favorite like phrases. I'm like, yeah, like yeah, yeah, it, exactly. it feels like it's right out of a, out of a, I think that was like, um, I think maybe from the princess bride, but that's going way back. That's our old reference. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Go no, ahead. The, uh, the trough of disillusionment where yeah. it's like, Oh, okay. But also yeah. I think there's fear that goes with that cycle as well. Oh, Sometimes uh, with those uh, augmented expectations, there's yeah. often fear that comes with it. A fear of, of like, we think it might, but we don't know.
1: Yeah. And, and so AI is, is, is interesting because AI has actually been through that cycle. I think like this is its third time through that's, now.
0: Uh, that's because when, when you're seeing it for the first time yourself, you think it is the first time. That's interesting to no, hear. This yeah, is the third no, cycle.
1: Yeah. But uh, so the, the term AI was actually used for the first time, I believe, I think it, it was like in 1956, I want to say, at, at okay. Dartmouth College. And it, it was essentially, I hope I'm not butchering the story, but essentially it, it was this idea that a, a student was trying to, for a summer research project, was trying to get a TV to be able to describe um, what it was seeing through a camera that was attached to it. And that was like, in, so in 1956, that was the, I think, first documented uh, use of the of the term artificial intelligence. And, and so way back then, it went through, its first run through the, um, the, the hype cycle, people had inflated expectations. It hit the trough of disillusionment. And then, and then there, there are these kind of famous periods in the, in the research history of AI called the, the winters of AI of which I I think there were two. Um, so it it feels like a movie (laughs) storyline. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. And you, you have your hero and you know, and And the, and the hero goes on a journey and he has challenges
0: and he yeah. overcomes and yeah, and he exactly. comes back and then he goes through the cycle again. If it's a mini yeah. series, if it's a mini series, you wait till next
1: season and it goes again. Yeah, totally. Totally. Right. And, and AI <laughs> is not, it's it's fundamentally not dissimilar to that. So, so it actually, it went through an AI winter, like, like soon after, um, soon after that, uh, that first time it was used. And then a couple years later, like, you know, it, it was all kind of, um, it it went super quiet. There was no appetite in the research world. There was no funding going, going towards the topic. And then again, it happened in in like kind of the early to mid seventies. And and when people were developing these things called expert systems and they were trying to build these like kind of rules based AI back then. And then the exact same thing happened where um, you had this, these inflated expectations because people thought that like, Oh, you know, now this is the thing that we're going to be able to, this is this, Breakthrough that's going to allow us to to get over the hump, kind of thing. But then realize that you know th- the flaw in in rules based systems is that you just you simply can't write enough rules to cover the real world, kind of thing. There was this okay. too,
0: just too many variables. <laughs>
1: exactly, like and and so the amount of combinations that you have just explodes exponentially. So then it hits a second winter um, in in kind of the early to mid seventies, and then just in in, in recent um, kind of history, we had this really big breakthrough, um, with, with deep learning and artificial neural networks, um, and, and the, the back propagation algorithm that actually allowed us to, to, to really hit, hit our stride and actually start to make these meaningful, um, meaningful applications with using, using the ideas that we've been building off of over this past kind of few cycles that we've gone through it, here. It's so
0: interesting to think about it that way. I read a book uh, recently, last summer, I read it called The Innovators, and it okay. really talks about the history, like way back to like the late 1800s, where they were looking at the mathematics and then Alan Turing and what happened in World War II. And they like, everyone has built on the group that came before them. And it just kind of cycled through. It always looks like, oh, you know, Steve Jobs did it or Bill Gates did. It. It's like, no, they, they stood on the shoulders of giants as why they moved the forward. So to hear yeah. you talk about AI that way, it really makes sense that we're just constantly building on... And the learning and the research and the things that have come before us but it, yeah. it's easy to think that oh this just came out of nowhere oh this is just a new concept but it's no. it's great to hear that it's that your history that it's not to help understand
1: it no exactly and 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 i and it, it's it's just like any other technology that, that we've gone through is 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 kind of uh, is 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 how i like to think about it like it, it's it's really no different in terms of like obviously it's different in, in terms of what it can do and the the kind of the economic impacts, but in terms of the qualities that it displays in terms of, well, how is it developed and, you know, how, how, um, how did the public and research, um, communities, uh, view it, like, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's, it's really exactly, um, it, 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 it has very similar qualities to other emerging technologies yes. that we. It,
0: it, it, it unto itself is unique, but the track or the cycle that it's on is is not. When you look at emerging technologies and how mm-hmm. they impact or not or don't, and whether yeah. they stay around or whether they get um, adoption, which is obviously a big thing, and mm-hmm. it certainly feels like so. Question: We can't not talk about it. We're yeah. living in we're you know two weeks into the Calgary COVID nineteen crisis that yep. don't know how long it's going to last do you, what do you, what do, what's your optics on an event like this on how it's, will potentially accelerate adoption? Like we we don't, we all don't know what the future is, but where do you see AI and machine learning and all the subsets being affected by something like this, that's changing the way we interact as in our world?
1: Totally. And and that's a, like, it's, that's a really, it's a, it's a huge question. And again, <laughs> I'm is. not, and you know, I, I'm not, I'm not an Oracle or anything. And so, so, I don't know that I can really predict it. Like what? What I can speak to is 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 what I've seen in the community and and how the global AI um, community has has responded to this. Okay. And and so it's really cool because so there are all of these websites online where where people have actually published um, the data sets around the COVID pandemic. So for example, you can actually download the day-by-day day data like grouped by province or region and then grouped by country for the, for the number of COVID cases that have been observed in, you know, in all of these areas across the world. Um, and then it's also broken down by like the number of confirmed cases there have been, the number of recoveries there, there have been, and the number of deaths there have been. And what's crazy is that when you, when you publish data sets like that, the whole world, um, usually doesn't really react to it. Right. Like there, there are tons of really interesting data sets out there, right? Like you you can, you can go on, on, on Kaggle, for example, which is just like an online data science platform and you can actually, um, like download certain data sets that have like 30,000 images of different skin cancer. And so you could in theory, like build an AI that could like diagnose or, or aid in the diagnostic process of skin cancer. But that, particular topic hasn't seen this really strong global response. We launched, or um, the, the COVID data set was launched, and, like, within two days, there were, like, there were hundreds and maybe even thousands of of these little independent data analysis um, reports that, that were written, and then, you know, Google hops in and, and starts doing their own analysis and, and, like, doing these these really, really interesting Um, and compelling reports about it and and all of these global players all have kind of like circled around this data set and everyone is applying like a really unique lens to ai and using using different methods and different perspectives on how to how to a derive insights out of this so for example a a lot of people you know are trying to model model the curve right this this ethereal curve that we're trying to flatten everyone is trying to model that and do a bunch of like for example, different scenario analysis on on how how do we flatten that kind of thing. And then other people are actually, um, they're using it as like, well, can we actually build like a global almost like Overwatch system to actually be able to, to predict this earlier? Other people are trying to understand, well, does COVID actually grow the same way across the world or are there different, or does it display different growth characteristics depending on on geography and the way how
0: communities I've also, I've heard the armchair of that is, well, in Italy, they're much more physically close culture, the kissing, the hugging. So there it's going to spread faster than North America where we're more spread out, but those are all just armchair theories without data to, to say yes or no.
1: Yeah, exactly. But, but, but now it's like, it's like we're, we're taking those first steps as to actually kind of understanding, um, if there is any, if those arguments actually hold any water, for example. And so, so seeing like the the global data science response to it is like, is, is super, you know, it's, it's super inspiring because, you know, again, back to the idea of like the wisdom of the crowd, it's like you, you have incredibly smart and talented academic researchers all pooling their, their brain power and their resources into solving this one problem and even seeing like, like, you know, truthfully, it's still early days, but seeing how innovative the solutions have been in such a short amount of time, make me feel really, really good about kind of trying to understand how to apply um, the the kind of techniques and models that we have and also develop new techniques and models um, to solve a real world problem. Like that, that to me is, is really, really exciting. So I don't know, I don't know what the specific kind of impacts on AI itself will be, but I, I think it's more so just the societal understanding of data driven sol- of uh, data driven problem solving that yes. that to me is like is my real big takeaway because because now it's it's we finally have this burning problem that the entire world, like it's, it's not local. To yes. When, when, when do
0: we like, we've never, I don't even know. I can't think of a time where we had a unifying problem like this, where we're all in it together. Exactly. That is very interesting from a, the globalization or just the the whole global village concept we are all now living in the same village with this pandemic and that i don't even i can't think of a time when that was another the world wars but even that was like that was adversarial where this is we're all in it together it's very interesting time
1: yeah and and it it, like economically it's been this incredibly um uh kind of hump like normalizing event like no one no one really has an advantage right like everyone is on their same two knees, like at, at the, at the, at the mercy. Of, <laughs> yes. Of that's this. a scary,
0: but yes, a very way to, that's a really powerful way to say it. You're right. Yeah, exactly.
1: But, but like, what's inspiring is, is that in, in this kind of unifying struggle, I, I just think we're fundamentally learning how to, how to solve problems faster and in more material ways using, using data. So, so again, back to the idea that like, Data drives everything like even before AI. I think this is really showing people that that the real value isn't necessarily in the algorithms, or necessarily even in the application of those algorithms, like all of those things are derivative of having access to to this kind of data interesting cuz
0: when was the the big data like i'm just thinking of the cover of harvard business review like maybe 5 years ago 6 years mm-hmm. ago big data was the but then it kind of went away and then ai came in but it's totally. interesting to hear you say that yeah let's 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 not forget who the real hero is here is what i'm hearing you say loud and clear
1: yeah yeah exactly and so so you know this, there's this funny like it, it, it's actually very topical but so a couple years ago um, there was this there's this project that google had called google flu trends and and it was killed very quietly because it's often looked to as one of the kind of like really, really obvious failures of big data and and building ML mo- machine learning models based on big data. So, so essentially what Google was trying to do was was they were trying to take local searches in, a, in any given area and see if they could predict the local flu rate that was happening in that area. Okay. Right. So, and seems, so seems
0: like a, a pseudo obvious question. Not to minimize right. its. Not to minimize its power. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
1: But but you know it's it's Google. If it, they have unlimited resources and unlimited talent, unlimited yes. data, like, it's Unlim- like
0: unlimited everything.
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. And you know arguably one of the most, if not the most, machine learning forward company in the world. It's like you guys got this. But <laughs> what what happened was is, is long story short, um, they were benchmarking it against a model that the Center for Disease Control. And, and the, long, the long and the short of it is that Google's model, you know, built on, on, on the shoulders of these unlimited resources and talent ended up um, predicting or over predicting the actual true flu rate by almost a factor of two. Um, so, for okay. example, if, if the local flu rate was 7%, it would have it predicted 14. And, and, and in, in terms of actually scoring a model, like that's pretty bad. Yeah. So
0: I, now that you're um, talking about it, I think I remember hearing little like reading things about this and it's coming back to me now, but you're right. It was kind of like a little tiny footnote.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and so it was, it was this huge, it was this huge thing. And then, and then suddenly it, it got killed very quietly and you know, people, um, people took, took a step back and they said, okay, well, why, why did it fail in such a big way? And, and Google, you know, was unfortunately fairly secretive in terms of what they, what they modeled and what their actual processes were and what, what specific data they used. But somebody, um, somebody kind of read the footnote and they said like Google was modeling on almost like 50 different search variables. So for example, like what, what what I assume those to be are just like different, like 50 different unique words um, that they were looking for and, and which, which is to say is that that also in a way takes into account like the correlation or the relationship in between those words kind of thing. Okay. And so when you, when you build a model in using 50 different dimensions, you you're kind of fundamentally looking in 50 dimensional space for an answer and you can find whatever you want in 50 dimensional space. Right. And, and so if, so there, there are two kind of lessons from that. It's like a, more, more isn't necessarily better. It's, it's about the quality of it. Um, and two, it's really, really, really hard to, to kind of understand data on that level of, of kind of dimension. And and it's really, it's really, it's really actually hard to, to, to develop any intuition about it, right? Because it's such a, when, when you deal on that like kind of level, it's, it's such a black box in terms of you can't really understand what's going on and why it's making a certain decision um, when it, when it sees a new data point, for example. Like it, it, the the model itself is so opaque, you you don't understand why it why it decided to make a particular prediction or not. So. Um, that was, that was really, really interesting.
0: So when you think about it as a lesson from that, it's, it's how disciplined you are in the data that you're collecting, how you're collecting it, the, uh, the question that you're actually asking it to solve for you or asking it to give you perspective on.
1: Yeah, precisely. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The, the,
0: the discipline that it isn't, that it isn't just a black, well, well, sorry, if it is just a black box, it might not actually give you what you're looking for. That there no. has to be, that's where the interaction between the human's Is saying, what's the question? What's the outcome? What are we looking to solve? Then let's make sure we set up the parameters for success to then let this, let this thing be successful inside those that it's still, it's still about a framework. Am I understanding that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and, and that, that's exactly like it, it, it all fundamentally comes down to like, what is the actual objective you're trying to solve? Because so like AI at, in its current state is in is in what we call narrow ai so there's like there's like narrow and, and general or broad ai and so narrow means that it can only do one thing so back to the back to the image example right like it can only it can only determine if it's a hot dog or not a hot dog or right. it can only determine and and so it can it can also answer other flavors of questions like it, it can ask anything that's that's fundamentally at its core like a how much or how many so like how, how many people are going to, are going to contract COVID in the next N days or something right then? Like, so it it can answer like different kind of basic questions, but it can fundamentally only answer one at a time is, is, okay. is the idea. Oh, interesting. Okay. Right. And so if that, if that question, if that one question that you're asking it and that one objective that you give it like is, is a, is a, is a bad question for the thing that you're actually trying to answer. Like, so like if, if it's a kind of indirect way of answering something else that you're trying to understand, or if it's, um, if, if it doesn't, if that question doesn't match the data that you have, um, you'll probably get suboptimal results. So exactly like you said, like it's really about focusing on a really, really good kind of objective question um, about it. So from your perspective and to kind of wrap this
0: a little bit into, I appreciate, I love the history and I think you and I could go on for a couple hours because oh, the, sure, yeah. the more you talk, the more curious I'm getting, the yeah, more my curiosity yeah, no, is no, taking off. Yeah. But if I'm a business owner or I'm an individual who's interested in this, well, well two, I'll ask the question two ways. One, okay. I'm, a, I'm, I'm in a business and I'm like, wow, I wonder what role AI or machine learning could play in my business. Yeah. Is there kind of an initial framework or kind of a way I should start asking myself or is there a way that I should, can pre-qualify that, yeah, this would be something I need to go down the road? on, or maybe this isn't the right fit for, for where my business is at. Just thinking about it really practically.
1: Yeah, totally. So, so I'll give like the, the highlight, cause the methodology behind this stuff fascinates me to, to be completely honest with you. Um, Your
0: enthusiasm but, is infectious. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, good. Um, but so, so essentially when I like, particularly for commercial applications, like the thing that I, the thing that I always tell people is that the fundamental thing that you have to remember is that at some point in time, there will be a person on the other end that interacts with this thing that you have built using AI. And so you have to design it for that person. You have to design it with a human being in mind at the end of it. Okay. So the first step is like, is really define, like define a user need, right? Like there's an end, there's an end person that's actually going to derive value. And it might be fair, you know, to be fair, it might be fairly far down the value chain from, from where this AI model lives, but you, that's who you're fundamentally designing it for. So back to like, it's, it's, it's in my opinion, it's, it's kind of, it's really no different than the lean startup methodology, right? Like right. in terms of you're fundamentally trying to solve a problem and you do so by understanding like the, the value proposition that you have, the district, the different customer segments and channels to that customer segment um, that exist, but it's, it's fundamentally about, defining a user need at the end and, and actually asking yourself, how, what, what is the problem that I am solving and why is AI better to, to solve that problem, right? And so there are a bunch of different questions that you have to that surround that. The, in my opinion, one of the biggest questions that you can ask is, does that user actually need to understand why something happened, why a particular process happened? And so if the user does need to understand that, then you probably don't want to use AI because a lot of them are oh, so I understand. Kid, right? Okay. Yeah, that makes and a lot then, of sense. And then so conversely, if they don't really care about why something happened, then go ahead and go ahead and go ahead and use it. Right. And that that then you, then you have a strong use case.
0: I really love your perspective of like, don't, don't get caught up in the technology for the sake of it. Understand who you're not only what problem you're solving, but who you're solving it for.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Cause that's the, like, that's it. Right. Like that's, that's fundamentally because so for example, like as a data scientist, my job isn't really to do data science. Like, and, and although, although that that's what you would obviously think like fundamentally, my job is just to create value and solve problems. Right. And however I choose to do that, you know, will probably come from an arsenal of data driven data science tools. Like, but, but that's a big toolbox. Right. And, and it, that toolbox isn't necessarily 100% consisting of AI tools, right? Like there are other, there are other kind of techniques that exist out there is, is, is the idea. But so so it's, it's about defining a user need, understanding what unique value proposition AI itself can bring and trying to kind of map those, that functionality and, and map those value propositions to the actual problem that you're trying to solve. And so if they don't match, then it's probably time to step away. And then so the next step of this process is, is fundamentally, okay, so I know that I know who my user is and I know what they're going to use it for. I've decided that AI is probably a good technology to use to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. The next question is, do I have the data to solve that problem? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is, is, is the next thing. Because
0: so t- t- that's the input, right? That's like yeah. you said, that's the, that's, the, that's the grist for the mill.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, like, it's like trying to build a car with no engine. or Sorry. It's, it, it's, it's like trying to run a car with no fuel. Yes. Right. Okay. It's like... Yeah, it's like that's, a, that's a nice way to put it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Because, yeah. because if, there's no, if there's no data then the fundamental question is, is, you know, like back, like if you think about it in just pure financial management theory, you, you just have, it's a, it's a simple calculation of is, is the cost of going out and collecting that data worth it against the value that I create building this solution? Yes. Right. And if the cost is higher, obviously just going to walk away from it. Right. Um, And then, You kind of, you just continue down and, but, but it's fundamentally just, it's a very lean startup flavored thing. You start, start with a use case, start with a problem, understand if, if your solution has a value proposition there, understand if you actually have the the key resources to go and build this thing. And then once you build it, go and talk to the user and interview them, validate that your solution is what they're actually looking for. Take that feedback, iterate, improve, and just, just go through that process again and again.
0: I really appreciate your that going back to the fundamentals, because I find with any type of technology solution, it's sometimes really easy to get enamored with the thing, not the problem that you're solving.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I've okay. had many
0: guests come on the show and that, like, what advice would you give startups? understand your customer, don't, don't, you know, build this, don't build the magic solution in your basement without ever talking to them. Cause you'll probably won't get it right. Yeah, and it, I think that's just a glamorization of that same theory.
1: No, totally. Right. And, 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 and I like, I, I, I really, really believe in that, in that idea that if something is actually going to be valuable, it has to be built for someone and that someone has a problem that is very valuable for them to solve. Right. And, you know,
0: Yes, that's a nice way. It's it's yeah. a high value for them to have that problem solved as well. Yeah, it's, exactly. It, it's right. an 8 out of 10 problem, not a 1. Ah, if I get it solved, great. If I don't, it doesn't matter. You're yeah. never going to create enough value to make it fina- going back to just being financially viable.
1: Yeah, no, it's exactly, right? And and I and because AI is 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 such it's it's this really hyped technology, right? And wherever, you know, I think it's just past the very peak of inflated expectations and I I think we are kind of we are approaching this plateau of productivity where we actually understand what it what it can be used for but like even a you know two two three years ago like you definitely just saw a lot of companies you using a lot of people not even just companies but just a lot of people using ai for the sake of using ai and it, and it just the fundamental question is and the fundamental idea is just just because you can doesn't mean you should. (laughs) I love
0: love that you you took it there. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, no. And, and,
1: and, but but I I think, I think it's, I think it's really, really true. Like, especially for these really complicated technologies like, like AI, right? Like, and, and so what I will say is AI is really unique in terms of, it is this like unpredictable and almost like living agent it's this living entity that lives inside of a tech stack it lives inside of an architecture and and if you if you kind of think about it like there are all of these things there's all of this what i like to call plumbing work that you have to build around ai right like you have to build these pipelines where you know data is coming in um data is being transformed and loaded and extracted from all of these disparate data sources they're being combined you have to do all of that plumbing work to feed it into the model. And then conversely, on the other end, you have to do the same plumbing work to kind of make sure that that prediction is going into a meaningful kind of place within, within this architecture that you've built. But the wild card with AI is that it's almost, it's not a deterministic process, right? Like, so in terms of, you can't really, you can't, you can't, look at an image for example like so let's say let's say you're you're looking at it at this at this um at what we're doing at entid right like you can't look at an image and just fundamentally understand that um, you're going to put it into a model and you can predict with 100 percent certainty what that model is going to predict on the other side there's almost there's almost no way to to understand and and to deterministically and for with a 100 percent certainty say I know what's going to come out of the other side of that box kind of thing. Right. And so the wild card is, is that when you have this model that's entangled amongst all of this, all of this other infrastructure, something unpredictable might happen and (laughs) which will affect the entire rest of the architecture. Right. Like one, one faulty prediction or one un, unexpected prediction will come can come out the other end of it and it can it can end up going to an end user and it can going to it can end up getting you know committed to a database or something right where, where yes. it actually is a really key piece of information but but because it's doing it so many times like it's really really hard to know if it's right or wrong in that exact instantaneous moment and so it's this living kind of creature that lives in the in inside of inside of the of this entity that you've built this this larger entity that you've built and it's it's kind of hard to understand um with with that 100% certainty that right. you know exactly what it's going to do and what those effects are going to have on the rest of your system, right? Like as you, it, it, as
0: you extrapolate anything out far enough it exponentially could create something you have, you, you, it's almost impossible to predict. That's what totally. I'm yeah. To. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's, it's just like a, it's like a domino effect, right? Like but it's what like, I'm
0: also hearing is that because the payoff or because the ability to augment, Everything is so high; it's almost worth. It's worth the journey, but you need to do it with eyes wide open at all yeah, times. Is what I Yeah, I'm yeah, ex- exactly. There's no magic pill. There's no magic answer. It's not no. a guru. It's not a guru in a bottle.
1: <laughs> no, and 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 to add to that, it's also certainly not just this plug and play thing that you can take off the shelf. Yes, mm-hmm. and, and stick into your. You, I guess what it, what I'm the the core of that was just you have to be mindful about about how you implement it, where you implement it. Um, and how it connects to other.
0: Well, and it, it what I'm hearing is it's an ongoing open engagement. It's not a build it, set it, forget it. It's like, okay, no, we, yeah, pour, yeah. We, we poured the foundation. We'll, we'll check its integrity in 20 years and hopefully yeah. that we did a good job and it's done. It's, no, Exactly. Which is almost the old school model of like you build something and then you can kind of forget about it for a while where this is not that at all. No,
1: not, not that at all. Right. Like it, it's, it's like, it's very, it's very involved. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost like, it's, yes, it's kind I hear of like, you. Like so one one of the first kind of real world machine learning solutions I built, like when when we deployed it and, and integrated it into into the system that it was living in, it like it almost felt like I was like sending a, a kindergartner off to school kind of thing, where I was like I was like, Oh well, you know, I I hope you behave and I hope you behave when you go out, and, you know, I hope you learn something and then when you come back, but
0: <laughs> that's a really, that's it's, a really interesting. As you, as yeah. you literally birth this thing into yeah, the totally. World like, it's a cute and take to, it from like yeah, like adolescence yeah.
1: into anyways. Yeah, that's yeah, an interesting. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a cute way to think about it. But but the the, the real fundamental truth of it is that. The second that so when, when when you build a machine learning model, like you you kind of build it in like a bubble, in like a really idealistic environment where you know what the input data is, you know exactly what it's connected to, and you you it's really just you that's gonna end up using the prediction, right? But when you when you put a machine learning model into the real world and it starts to interact with all of these effects and all of these environmental factors that you That you couldn't account for when you're modeling it. The fact you
0: said about just so many variables.
1: (laughs) Exactly, it touches the real world, and and the kind of the interesting thing about machine learning, it's not necessarily bad, but the interesting thing about machine learning is that typically, the second it interacts with the real world, you will see its performance decrease almost instantaneously. Because there are just all of these extra things that you didn't necessarily, that right. you couldn't account for. Because you
0: built it in a little bit, arguably a bubble, but then exactly. when you release it, it's yeah. like, you know, the best laid plans never survive encountering, you know, the, the real precisely. world. Basically, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Precisely. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, that it's, it's just an interesting thing to, to have to account for. And, and there are all of these kind of like unique quirks to AI, l- like the things that I've just mentioned that you, that you mm-hmm. have to be mindful of. So, so, you know, if you're a business or, or, or just someone that wants to build something meaningful with AI, like again, b- back to, um, it, it, it starts with a problem. It starts with like really well defined understanding of that, because, you know, like, like we talked about, um, before is, um, it, it, fundamentally, the question that you ask has to be really, really good. Right. And that question has to be driven by a real customer need. Right. And, th- yes. and then that, that's what drives the rest of that methodology. I, I love that
0: and I think it's so easy to forget about, you know, as someone who works in marketing and like if you don't understand the customer, you're 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 done, right? If, whether it's a messaging strategy, first of all, if, even if the if the product is right, if the customer doesn't understand how it creates value to them, even yeah. though it does, mm-hmm. it might as it might as well not. You know, I'm hearing no, that loud yeah. and clear. So yeah. that that universal truth I think as we live in a world of more customer centricity, where customers literally have all the power at the click of a button, yeah. the ability to not only communicate the value but really understand it. And I guess the real secret sauce is how do you identify something that a problem that they have that they don't even know that they have yet. And that's at the at the next level of of true. I think the distance between customer service and then true customer centricity is when yeah, you're yeah. you're getting ahead of the problem and going. You know the old joke. I would have they would have asked for a faster horse. I think was the old the Henry Ford joke. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You know, because they didn't. You know even like what we're talking about now in COVID-19 people are like, Oh, what do you think the future is? I'm like, I can't imagine something I've never even seen. It's, 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 it's so fundamentally challenging uh, to be that visionary of like, Oh, it's going to be this. I don't even know. And when you mm-hmm. think about what we're talking about here, the future is really unwritten. No. AI, yeah. Actually.
1: Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. And, 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 and that's it. Right. Like it, it's such, a um, like, I just, I just don't know what the world is going to look like. No, after yes, this, right? Like,
0: and, and none of us do, but we're all bo- on both knees together. I think that was really interesting, saying what you
1: said. Yeah, it's yeah, powerful.
0: Exactly. The vision of that is powerful.
1: Yeah, it, it it is, but it's also I don't I don't know part part of it is like a little bit scary, but I I think it, it is also a little bit inspiring because because now, um, you know, even though that the circumstances are really unfortunate, we're being we're kind of being forced to work together because yes, this yes. it's it's not it's not anyone's unique problem. It's it's our problem as the entire population of of the planet, right? Like it's, it's, it's a problem that all of us have to deal with and it's, it's our shared reality and it's our, it's our shared experience. So, um,
0: Yeah. My hope, the hope is that it will bring us together. Like it never has. And fear, the fear and the unknown, it lets you know it's real, but I can't, I can't sit here and not go, you know what, out of this will be opportunity. And I know that's maybe hard to look at and it's challenging Mm -hmm. for people that are trying to just get by day to day. The world will be different out of this. And I will choose to believe that it'll be better because you know what, we all have that choice. So let's, I'm going to choose to make that choice.
1: Yeah, no, no, a hundred percent. Right. And you know, back to the idea of like of, of these kind of black swan events, like in, in Nassim Taleb's, um, next book which is called anti-fragile like he, he talks about these organizations like that that are there's this idea of anti-fragility where basically there, there are two kinds of organizations like they're fragile ones which hate they hate randomness and they hate change and they especially hate time and then there are anti-fragile ones which actually thrive in uncertainty thrive in randomness and also thrive and improve over time and i think i think right now mm-hmm. as a society as a society, we, and, and, and the conjecture of the book is that being anti-fragile is the solution to a black swan event. And here we are with an arguably a black swan event on our hands. And I think we actually have a choice to, to, to build the kind of the, the society and organizations of, of tomorrow. And we can choose in between building them fragily or building them, building them anti yes. And I, and I think that's the opportunity here is, is, is yeah, this is a really, really scary and unfortunate situation. But there's so but it's really just giving us exposure, like back to back to problems, right? Like, it's giving us exposure to the problems and the shortcomings that we have. And it's giving really, really smart people around the world, the opportunity to address those problems in the next iteration of, of the solutions that we build. So I think that's the opportunity there.
0: And I think that's an incredibly to, to, to wrap it on that I think is an incredibly positive note. Tim, yeah. you have been a, just a wealth of knowledge today. I know the goal was for a current incredible to keep these under the 20 to 30 minute mark. I think we might have yeah. stretched it, but that's okay. Oh, they, oh, sorry, uh, no, that. no, don't no don't <laughs> apologize. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to have people that are going to go down the rabbit hole in this and want to learn more. So, yeah, well, for starters, if if I listen to this and I want to get involved in the Calgary AI club, how do I find you guys? How would I get involved?
1: Yeah, totally. So, uh, so yeah, we actually just launched your website so you can find us at uh, Calgary calgaryaiclub.com okay awesome um, yeah there's a, there's a sign up form there um, you can also just email me directly at tim.cruz at calgaryaiclub.com if you want to get in touch um, we're also on linkedin and instagram as well um, that's Excellent. The, but yeah we, we have no we have no barriers to entry like the the idea of the ai club is is to connect all of calgary with the common thread of ai so um, we're we're doing some really really interesting projects with with local businesses as well as local startups. So before the the, the COVID um, situation, we were actually yes. um, we were actually building an autonomous coffee robot for for my friends over at the Luke's Central Library Cafe. Oh, interesting! Um, yeah, oh, exactly. Cool. yeah, exactly. So it, it was this nice story of um, it's us as a grassroots organization building this, albeit like really contrived <laughs> solution <laughs> thing, using AI for, for a local business. And then we actually also partnered with a local startup in town called um, Synthium who, who they're building a robotics platform. And so, um, so it, it was this really nice uh, it's this really nice narrative around connecting all of the different communities in Calgary, not just those ones in tech. So lower- uh, that's,
0: I think that's, I think that's the beauty of it. It's so easy to look at tech as a tech as just an industry, but it's not, it's, it's an underpinning of the world we live in and it's only going to become more. So I think that's good to quantify that. We're like, Oh, I want to work in tech. I'm like, well, wait a second. Let's talk about just tech as a, as a concept, not yeah, necessarily yeah. an industry. It's not a vertical. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, exactly. it's, it's 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 an it's an underpinning. Yeah, Tim, exactly. it's been an yeah. absolute pleasure chatting with you. I, yeah, couldn't, you as uh, well. I couldn't have enjoyed it more and totally. uh, we'll get this live and let the world uh, get some inspiring stories and some interesting things to think about while we're all sitting sitting in our homes uh, still looking to connect
1: yeah totally yeah well and, and yeah thank you so much for uh, for having me on the on the podcast this was super exciting and a lot of fun
0: oh, it was my absolute pleasure thank you yeah.